Our scripture lesson today comes from John 15, 1 through 5. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out our website and social media. Had a Zoom call a couple of weeks ago with Ryan to get ready for the service today. And I mentioned to him, I said, Ryan, I know several of your members. And Ryan, you've got a really hard job. You've got a really tough job. Last night, we had a chance to meet Ryan and Amber Lee, Pam and I did, and what a blessing they are to you in this church and this community. I hope that you'll be thankful each day that you have them here uh, to do the work that they're doing uh, here in, 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 in Sweetwater. I want to take just a minute and say thank you. I want to thank you for just the, the years and years of encouragement and support that uh, many of you in this room and many others in this community have given to me and Pam and our family. Uh, you know, we lived, worked, raised our family here for, for over 25 years. And during that time when we had, uh, when we had successes, y'all celebrated with us. When we had difficult times, you walked alongside us and helped us. Uh, when we encountered tragedy, you prayed with us and for us and helped us through that. And we are just so, so grateful for that. Uh, me personally, in my personal life and in my professional career, uh, this community gave me opportunities to learn and grow and make a lot of mistakes. And y'all were very patient with me. And we, uh, I had a chance to uh, just serve in so many capacities. And again, we just want to say thank you so much uh, for all that you've done for us and continue to be. We still uh, enjoy so many friendships and, and uh, in the community. We're so grateful for that. And because of that, because of your support and your help, I can report to you that the boys are doing well, our two sons. Craig and his wife, Christy, live in Kingwood, which is right outside of Houston. And Craig is a economic development professional, uh, much like Ken Becker was, same thing as Ken Becker did. And I, I just want to take a minute and say, Ken Becker, there's probably never been an ambassador who's been better for Sweetwater and Nolan County than Ken Becker. He was absolutely amazing. Yeah. He was absolutely, I saw Ken waving the Sweetwater and Nolan County banner all over the state, all over the nation. And it, it was amazing that to me that he could do such a great job because he's a Notre Dame fan. And I, I, don't, I don't know what happened there, but uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I shouldn't have brought that up. I knew that was a mistake. We, uh, and then Scott and his wife, Rebecca, they live in, in Austin, not too far from where we do. He's a teacher at, a, at Veritas Academy, which is a Christian school. And Craig has three children, and Scott, uh, ha they have three children. 
And so Pam has a lot of opportunities to be grandmother, and she doesn't seem to mind that very much. And one of the, one of a friend of mine said, grandchildren are one of the few things in life that exceed expectations. And I think that's probably true. It was Craig's youngest son, John, when he was eight, we were down there visiting him in Kingwood, and I said, uh, John, come out the car. I want to show you something. I was driving a Chevy Tahoe at the time, and it had a compartment in it on the, on the dash where you could punch a button, and, the, and it would raise up, and you could put your CDs in there, and then you'd punch your button, and it'd go down, so it'd kind of keep the CDs concealed. So I got John to sit in the front seat on the passenger side, and I was in the driver's side, and I said, John, I've got a secret compartment in my dash. Can you see it? Can you see where it is? And he said, no, I don't, I don't see it. So I pushed that button, and that compartment raised up, and he looked in there, and he looked at me, and he said, does Mimi know about this? <laughs> and I so wish, I so wish I would have said, no, this is just between you and me, John. She doesn't know that at all. It's, uh, I have so many, so many stories I could share about my time in Sweetwater. I want to share just a couple really quickly, because they mean a lot to me. Uh, I did have the opportunity to serve as the mayor, and, and uh, Jay Lawrence followed me as mayor, and it took him 12 years to clean up all the messes that I made. But we, uh, we get to, you get an opportunity to do some pretty unique things when you're mayor of a rural community. And one of the things I got to do, they had a big air show out at uh, Avenger Field, and they asked me if I would want to ride in a plane to uh, break the to cut the ribbon to start the air show, and I said, "Sure, I'd love to do that. That sounds like a kind of a unique thing." So we got in the plane, the pilot and I, and we came down about 20 feet off the ground, about 120 knots, and broke the ribbon for the uh, air show. Everybody was excited, and he said, "Do you want to go up and do a couple of maneuvers uh, while we're out?" And, and uh, I thought, "Never had this opportunity again." So sure, biggest mistake I have ever made. He went up, he did loops, he flew upside down, he flew backwards, he did slips. I wanted to throw up, I just couldn't decide which way was up. It was awful. And then you might remember I, I served, in, I, I ran for the Texas Senate. The beloved senator from this area, Bill Sims, was retiring, and I ran for the Texas Senate. And one of the things that we did, we got t-shirts made up, it said Rick Rhodes for Texas Senate. And we asked people to wear them as much as they could, because that's kind of like a walking billboard around. And well, Vicki Lawrence and Pam and Sue Bates and a bunch of other people uh, got a lot of women together and they'd put the t-shirts on, they'd load up in suburbans and they'd go to all the rural communities in the district. They'd go to Winters and, and uh, Lano and all the rural communities district. They'd unload and they'd go around the square and visit with the store owners. They'd eat in the restaurants and try to get the name out there and answer questions people had and, and that type of thing. So about two weeks before the election, one of our women was, was wearing the t-shirt over in Abilene because her little boy is playing in uh, peewee football. And I was running as a conservative Democrat. At that time, all the people who had been elected in, in West Texas here were conservative Democrats. So I was running as a conservative Democrat. So uh, she said that she was standing there, and two little boys from Abilene went walking by. They were in their football uniforms. And one of them stopped, and he looked. He said, Rick Rhodes for Texas Senate. She said, yeah, that's who I'm going to vote for. And he, she said, well, we can't vote for them. My mom says we're Republicans. And the other little boy looked at him and looked at her and said, well, I guess we can. We're Episcopalians. <laughs> so, so unfortunately, we just didn't have enough Episcopalians in the district to uh, get me elected, I guess. But uh, I think that was really God's provision to keep me out of the vicious uh, war of, of uh, Texas politics. I was really excited today or when, I, when Ryan shared with me that this is Consecration Sunday, when you all kind of make your commitments to subscribe the budget this next year. And so I considered what I thought was the perfect title for this message today, the perfect title, and it's this, Sermon on the Amount. <laughs> but that's not what I went with. I didn't go with that. 
I went with another question that I was confronted with recently that I think is a, a very interesting question, a challenging question, and a very thought-provoking question. And I thought maybe it'd be a good one for us to deal with this morning. And it's this, what matters most? What matters most? You know, if you watch TV, you would say that the thing that matters the most is that we need to drive the luxury car that's the quietest on the highway. Or how could we possibly get through society without the latest iPro 14 cell phone? Or could, could, could we possibly function in our households without the latest robo vacuum cleaner? But maybe, maybe if we want to answer this question, maybe we should go and see what Jesus says about this. And he said a lot about this in the Bible. So let's look at one verse. We're going to look at one verse this morning. And it's going to be John 15, 5. And this is Jesus talking. This is Jesus talking. And he says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You know, Ryan, Jesus would have been a great preacher in West Texas because he used a lot of examples related to agriculture. And in this particular one, he's talking about Jesus says, I am the vine. I am the source of everything you need, all the nutrients you need as a branch to thrive. Everything you need to thrive in this, li in this life, I've got everything that you need in that. What I want is for you to stay totally connected to me, totally in union with me. So the question becomes, uh, how do we abide in him and him in us? Dr. Henry Blackaby has a great book. He's a, he's a Christian pastor and author, and he has a great book called Experiencing God. Uh, and it says this in that book. You might bring up the next slide if you would. Enhancing our personal love relationship with God requires us to be humble. What Coach Ritchie's uh, lesson was on this morning on humble, being uh, humble. Humble, obedient, moldable, and available. So look at those four things for just a minute and think in your own mind, which of those do you feel like you do pretty well in and which ones might you need a little work to be, might need a little work to do? Uh, do you walk in humility? Do you exhibit humility in your daily walk in life? Uh, do you read what the Bible says? And are you obedient to it? Do you really try to put it to use in your life? Are you coachable, teachable? Uh, do you still, are you still moldable? Even at our stage of life, I'm a senior adult now. Do I still want to learn? Am I still hungry to learn and, and get in God's Word and do that? And do I make myself available? Do we, do we make ourselves available for the, the ministries of this church and the initiatives in this community that impact the quality of life and impact the lives of people? On the, on the topic of humility, you know, I, I was really blessed in Sweetwater and in my time in Austin. I've had a lot of opportunity to work with and for some incredible leaders, some great leaders. And I truly, I would contend from my experience that one of the most important characteristics, one of the most important traits of an effective leader is humility. Because they're gifted in leadership, they're great at putting a team together, but they realize they need the input. They need the input of other people to really get the organization, to get the initiative, to get things in the best shape it can be in. They don't have all the answers to everything, so they've gotta be humble enough to seek the input of other people. And I really enjoy the saying, it says this, when a leader gets better, everybody wins. When a leader gets better, everybody wins. That applies to in a family, the leader of a family, 
That applies to an organization, to a church, to a nonprofit organization, certainly to a team of any type. When the leader gets better, everybody wins. In the next slide, you'll see that there's a great book called Humility, The Journey Toward Holiness by Andrew Murray. And he states this, he says, humble yourself and acknowledge each day your helpless dependence upon God. God will raise you up and exalt you. Every morning, remind yourself afresh of your emptiness so the life of Jesus may be manifested in you. How great would it be? How great would it be if each and every one of us woke, got up in the morning and just paused for a minute and said, God, I know that I am totally dependent upon you today. For the air that I breathe, the water that I drink, the home I enjoy, my family, my, our children, uh, just everything, the, the financial resources you've given me, everything, I'm totally dependent upon you uh, for that. That would be such a, such a blessing. Talking about children, I've got a couple of quotes for you on children that I think you might enjoy. One says that in dealing with our adult children, in dealing with our adult children, we need to keep our hearts open and our mouths shut. Anybody relate to that? And I really like this one. It said, God, help me to pray for the children you gave me, not the ones I wanted. It's said that when President Roosevelt entertained diplomatic guests at the White House, he was fond of taking them out to the back lawn of the, at the end of the day. As the president stood gazing at the night sky, all eyes would eventually be cast heavenward as his were. In his day, the vast array of stars was not dimmed by the city lights, and the magnificent display of God's brilliant creation would overcome the party. After a long moment, President Roosevelt would say, gentlemen, I believe we're small enough now. Let's go to bed. Wow. What a great exercise in humility. You know, our purpose on this earth is truly to glorify God with our lives. And as Andrew Murray says, every morning we should remind ourselves that we're an empty vessel what he means by that, that we're an empty vessel, we're a temple for the Holy Spirit, but he wants God's love and God's strength and God's power, God's mercy, God's grace, God's forgiveness to flow through us to other people. Those elements those flow, flow through us to other people. And I kind of envision the cross. I kind of think of the cross. I think of the vertical part of the cross being my daily encounter and my daily relationship with God. Bible study, prayer, my daily encounter with God. And then the horizontal part of the cross being my encounter with other people, with those around me. Pam, my wife, and my family, my friends, and those business associates, anybody I come in contact with here and there. And I think it's so, so important that we do that in, in both ways, our relationship with God and then those uh, in, in our lives. Going back to Henry Blackby's list, he had a, a list that said, uh, we need to be available. And to me, that means we need to be willing to be engaged in the ministries of this church and in the initiatives within the community that are going on that that impact the lives of people, that touch the lives of people. And let's be honest, there's some times that we don't have the best attitude about serving. We don't have the best attitude about being engaged. And I want to do a personal confession here. I had one of those situations a while back, and I want to share it with you. I got, a, I got an email on Sunday morning uh, as I was getting ready to go to church. It's from our associate pastor, and he said we were delivering gift baskets to uh, the low-income people in an area that's close to our church. And he said, 
Uh, they need to get them today. They're expecting them today. They need to get them today. We've got a few that haven't been delivered. If you would, swing by after church and uh, pick, pick some up and take them if you can. Well, unfortunately, there was a really good golf tournament on TV right after church, and I didn't really want to do that. I did not want to go do that. So I thought, well, I'll swing by the office. Hopefully there won't be any baskets left. And so I visited as long as I could with people at church, and I swung by the office, and unfortunately there were still some baskets there. So I picked, I looked at the, they had cards on them, had the names and their phone number and their address. I looked, I got two or three that were kind of in the same area, so I headed out to do that. Second place I went to was a trailer, and door was standing wide open. There's not a vehicle anywhere in sight. And there was a fence around the, the yard, the front yard, and there's two barking dogs just yapping at me when I got out of the vehicle, and I've got this basket with me. And they said, if they're not there, we'll just find a spot to hang it on the door so they'll know they have it when they come in. Well, I noticed there was a porch up here on the right. And so I thought, well, I'll go over there and you know, I could see the door with the porch up there. So I started over that way. There's another big dog, big dog sitting over there on the porch. So I started walking up kind of easing over that way. And I said, are you a friendly dog? Are you a friendly dog? I just, I wasn't comfortable. So I just kind of backed off and I thought I could just see the dog jumping up and coming after me at any second. So I, I didn't go that way. So I, so I saw a post over here, looked like where he'd drive in and, and, uh, park his vehicle, and so I hung, the, I hung the basket right over there on that post. So I went back out the car, and I called Tom. His name's Tom. I said, Tom, Brick Roads, Lakeway Church. I said, I have a gift basket for you. You're obviously not home. He said, no, I'm in town right now. And I said, I'm going to leave it here for you. He said, well, thank you so much. He said, man, I apologize for that dead dog on the porch. He said, I hadn't had a chance to haul it off yet. <laughs> so I told our pastor that story, and he said, the, 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 my favorite part of the story is when you said, are you a friendly dog? Are you a friendly dog? <laughs> You know, in John 15, 5, it says this. Uh, Jesus says, if we abide in him and him in us, we will bear much fruit. So what's the fruit that he's talking about? If you go to the next slide, what's the fruit that he's talking about? Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It sure seems to me like we're, if we're experiencing those traits in our lives, that that's a pretty good place to be. That's going to be a pretty good quality life if we can do that. I recently heard a quote that I really like. It says, if you want to be known as a kind person, if you want to be known as a kind person, you must be willing to be interrupted. If you want to be known as a kind person, you must be willing to be interrupted. In other words, we just can't be so busy all the time that we can't stop long enough to address the needs of those around us. If you go to the next slide, I had an experience like that recently. Uh, I was walking, I had the opportunity to be on the East Coast, and I was walking on the beach each morning, uh, just enjoying a beautiful sunrise, enjoying walking on the beach. And one morning I was walking and I saw this site right here. I saw a, a young man taking a picture of his sister, girlfriend, wife. I wasn't sure who it was. And he had his dog there with him. And it was a beautiful morning picture, an overcast morning, a perfect morning for pictures. You can see how pretty the Atlantic Ocean air is there in the background. So I went walking on down the, the uh, beach to the point that I wanted to go to. And I came back and they were still there. And when I came back, it was obvious that she was holding her blouse down in a way that she was emphasizing the fact that she was pregnant. And so I just kind of wandered over there to them, and I've, I've kind of learned that you don't say, are you pregnant? I, I, I've kind of learned that you don't do that. 
So I kind of went over to him and I said, I just had to notice y'all taking pictures this morning. What's the occasion? And she said, I'm pregnant. And I said, oh, that's great. I said, is this your first? She said, sure is. And her husband said, we've been trying for nine years. We've been trying for nine years and we're going to have a little girl. I said, that is awesome. I said, would, would you like for me to take a picture of the three of you, you and your wife and your dog there? Oh, he said, could you do that? Could you do that? I said, be happy to. So he got the camera all situated. He ran around, got the picture, got the, the dog got in the picture. And uh, uh, I snapped two or three pictures. He came around, looked to be sure he had some. He just seemed elated that he had that picture at that point in time with him and his pregnant wife, his dog in the picture with a beautiful background of the Atlantic Ocean. It was five minutes. It was five minutes that I interrupted my walk on the beach, five minutes, and hopefully it was a blessing to them. We just need to take time. We just need to take time to notice people, notice the needs of people around us. So how does the church, how does the church enter into this discussion? Tony Evans serves as a senior pastor at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, and he made this observation. If you put the next slide up, he made this observation. In our world today, Christians are no longer viewed as the home team. Society and the media are not rooting for us. We find ourselves on the visiting team. But that does not mean the visiting team can't win. It's my belief the importance of the church to our communities is more important today than it has ever been. Your engagement, your engagement of financial support today is a strong commitment toward worship, obedience, and it will truly be a blessing to so many. The ministries of FUMC enhance the spiritual lives of you, the fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, but also, also those who do not yet have a personal love relationship with Him. You are helping meet the spiritual, emotional, physical, and relational needs of the people in this community and beyond. You truly are making an eternal investment through your giving. And it's my hope and my prayer that you will experience the joy of your generosity. So I would say, as I close, that our support, our support of and engagement with the local church is a huge step towards changing, if we abide in Jesus, to as we are abiding in Jesus. And I think we'd all agree that's a pretty good answer to what matters most.